Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking, Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd. How you doing, brother? Good, Jeremy. How about yourself? Doing good. Real good. How was your Christmas? You know, it was uh, low-key, down-low, just like we wanted. Right on. What about you? Yeah, same thing. Just uh, Christmas Day was like nothing. I mean, get up slowly, have some nice coffee. And my wife does uh, our tradition to do... Do you guys have Wife Saver? You know what that is? What do you mean? Wife Saver for breakfast? No. Okay. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or like maybe regional to here, but everybody here seems to know what Wife Saver is. It's basically like a breakfast casserole. Like you lay down in a in a pan, like a glass pan, she whatever... Some you use for lasagna, you lay, lay down bread and then milk and then eggs and then like onions. You could do like chopped bacon, whatever, whatever. And then at the end, you top it with either breadcrumbs or not special K. Some some type of a not frosted flakes. I forget. I forget some type of a cereal that's really crunchy, but it's not sugary. And then top that, and then you just bake it for like 45 minutes. And then it's like a, almost like a breakfast lasagna, sort of. It's really, really good. But that's always like, that, that was my tradition when I grew up as a kid. That was my wife's when she grew up as kids. So it's obviously ours. So I'll get a, we'll get it ready on Christmas Eve, and it's just in the fridge. And then first thing Christmas morning, I'll turn the oven on. I'll make our lattes, and then I'll throw that in. And then usually by the time we're done doing presents, it's ready, and it is so good. And then from there, it's kind of like everybody just... We also have cinnamon buns. Steph makes cinnamon buns every Christmas morning. And so then it's like slowly open presents and everybody can play with the presents, do whatever you want, you name it. And we just lounge around. Oh, it's so good. And then uh, smoked a ham for dinner. That was, it's a really good Christmas, really nice. Did you end up doing your uh, clay pot cooking? No, I uh, did it... Uh normal way that I did it and turned out really good. I mean, everybody right loved it. So oh, right on. Yeah. I was ta- talking to Steph and she's never heard of clay pot cooking like that. Oh, wow. She goes, that kind of makes sense actually. But, yeah. It makes some of the best, uh, like whole roast chicken I've ever mm. had. Yeah. Other than like rotisserie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, chicken's always a sort of a tough protein because it can, if you're not careful, it can dry out pretty quick. But and you, it has, um, you know, about 50% white meat, 50% dark meat, and they cook at just extraordinarily different temperatures. They're done mm-hmm. at. So yeah. you have to, you know, you can't do this, can't do that, and blah, 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 blah. blah. So uh, I've never had one. Um, doing a whole chicken in the clay pot. I've never had one turn out like anything other than really crispy skin, juicy, tender meat. And the roast pork is always good. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. I got a, a, a carbon steel skillet for Christmas. <clears throat> I've been looking at those for a while, and I'm like, ah, I kind of want to see what it's like to cook with them. And we, there's this really nice, it's kind of like a bougie kitchen supply place right near where our kids go for karate. Like they'll, I mean, it's not like, like all Le Creuset and all these, all the premium brands. And then they've got these skillets, these cast or no carbon steel skillets, but they're all like made in France. Um, and they're like 300 bucks for, I don't know, like a 10 inch skillet. Like that. they're really expensive. And um, I'm just curious about what it's like to cook with them. And so Steph ended up going to a, like a commercial kitchen supply house. And they had them for significantly cheaper. I forget, these ones are, I don't know where they're, made in Spain, I think. But they're just, like the other ones had kind of a fancier handle and a little more decorative, like ironwork. And these are just pure utilitarian carbon steel skillet. So I'm excited to give that a try. I haven't seasoned it yet, but um, the handle has painted, which is kind of weird. And so I think I'm going to sandblast that so that I can season it in the oven. And then... I'll season the whole handle too, but they say it's it's just like cast iron, right? Heat it up, wipe it down with the uh, oil, and then do that. They say if you can do it like five or six times, that's gonna be a deal until it's basically black, and season the outside too. So I gotta gotta do that and then give it a shot. We'll see. I didn't know it that also too, helps if you, to cook something high fat content the first time, like bacon. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know that. Um, the traditional French omelet, if you're doing it traditionally, it must be done in a carbon steel skillet. I didn't know that. But have you ever cooked in a carbon steel skillet? Yes, but I've never had uh, luck with them because I never had a, a stovetop that was capable of what the pan is because those are things that you need... Um, Pretty controllable and high heat for sometimes. Because mm -hmm. the worst thing you can do is cook like uh, too low of a heat for certain food. Because then you're just asking for it to bond with the stupid steel. Yeah, yeah. Forever. Like an egg, you know, or <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. crepe batter or whatever. Yeah, you know, the... There's a big thing I miss about our old house is uh, the gas range. Those, I, One of my favorite things to cook in is like the Lakers set enameled cast iron Dutch ovens. Yep. And their pots. Mm -hmm. I have some of the best luck in those, but yeah, we have a lot of those. They are great. I um, do a good uh, no need bread. Mm -hmm. uh, I have two different kinds. One's a normal like uh, country white loaf that mm -hmm. we do in a Dutch oven. Then I have a uh, walnut raisin bread that I hmm. do. Uh, same thing, no need bread. It's just you know, walnut yeah, raisins. Yeah. Like, more like a breakfast bread. Yep. That's cool, yeah. You know, that stuff's worth buying. You know, like some, I don't know, my mom never ever had it. Like, she always had just, you know, stainless steel pots. And, and then... Steph always wanted it. And then when we were first married, she found a Le Creuset. Similarly, you would fit a small chicken in it. 
kind of like Dutch ovens, sort of the oval-shaped ones. She found one on eBay for five bucks, and it's somewhere in the States. And so she bought it, brought it up here, and we had that one for about 10 years. And just, and then I'd see just how much we used it. And then also I would use it a bit and how good they are. And then I was like, you know what? These are worth it. And I don't know. So we that's when we were like, you know what? Let's start buying some more of these. And so I'd get her a new one for Christmas now and then. So we've got a, a decent collection now. But they are just, they are so worth it. Like, they cook so nicely. They clean so nicely. You know, and even when you're done cooking, like, if you make a stew in it or something, and you leave it on, that's that steel just retains the heat so well that, you know, when people go back for seconds, you don't even have to leave the the stovetop on. It, it's going to be nice and hot in there. And, yeah, I love that. Le Creuset and then, what was that other brand? German bread. Something odd. I don't know. Yeah, but. I know, uh, you know, growing up, mom and grandma, they just had the um, crappy, just about paper thin aluminum pots to cook in and it burns Ooh. everything and it takes you an hour to clean it yeah. if you're lucky. It's just horrible. And I'm like, as I got out on my own, I'm like, yeah, I'm just not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, we're poor, but crap, you know. <laughs> still got heat (laughs) food is worth taking pride in and i'm not scouring a pot for an hour Mm -hmm. ever and uh, lakers said you can literally uh on the enameled ones uh purposely burn something in it you know just put it back on the heat you know, scrape the food out, put it uh, with wood, uh, put it back on the heat with water in it, a little bit of Dawn soap, and breaks mm-hmm. it right up. Ba-boom, bada-bing, bada-boom, five minutes, you're done. Yep. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, um, I remember the first time I ever really thought about, maybe not the first time, but like I never, I never used to cook much at all. And then the boys, Kobe and Isaiah and I, we went and did this overnight canoe trip just at my in-laws place and so we literally just paddled across this little lake took us 15 minutes set up our tent and we had a little fire we basically were just trying to like we had food with us and stuff but we had to go get our own firewood and and then the morning I was making us eggs and I had bought a stainless steel a very budget-friendly camping cook set from Canadian Tire <laughs> and I, I I don't even think I brought butter with me so I put this thing on the the coals and I crack some eggs into it <laughs> that essentially the whole they, they almost like vulcanized and bonded themselves the whole thing like I was able to scrape off little bits off the top but man I was like oh wow this is bad and so I even had to bring it back like I tried scraping it there I had to bring it back to the house like half full of half like fully cooked on vulcanized eggs and uh, that's when I, I realized Steph's like, you need like stainless steel, just a plain stainless steel pot is about impossible to cook in. I was like, ah, okay, now I get it. That was the first time I ever really, really clued into uh, sticking, sticking cookware, nonstick cookware and all that stuff. But I find nonstick pans, man, we get maybe six months out of them. Like we buy them from, we'll get them from Costco, you know, like whatever they've got, but I find within six months, they just don't, they start sticking again, you know? I don't know. 
But I'm interested yeah, to see I what this I went is. away from that for a long time. And I don't know why, but I bought another one on Amazon. It was Rachel Ray's brand. Hmm. And the only the ugly blue color, by the way. And that thing lasted us almost two years before the first little speck, right, mm-hmm. flaked off. But That's we're very careful with uh, all of our pots now because I have slowly um, thrown away anything metal, like, you know, stirring spoons or anything like that, I've thrown it away and replaced it with either wood or uh, the really good stuff, uh, polymer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Yeah, that and could be I part have of a, our... Like, probably 12, 15 uh, spoons and spatulas I made, so wooden ones. Right on. What's your preferred wood to use when you're making those? I don't have one. Normally, yeah. there's something that's left over, but also something that's food safe, you know. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of exotics you have to stay away from. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, God, what are some of them? Wasn't like... Uh, Crap. Cocobolo, you couldn't use, I don't think. A lot of and people can weirdly care. enough, there's a company making them, and no, they're not food safe. Hmm. Yeah, because I know a lot of guys say when they use Cocobolo, they have to completely cover their arms because they'll actually get a rash on their arms if the dust gets on, like when they're shaping the handles, they're using it for knives. And then rosewood also is supposed to be uh, a gentleman, like you can't sell rosewood anymore, right? In North America. But uh, a guy, Mark from Origin Handcrafted Knives, I bought something off him, a tool that he was selling or something. Um, And then he sent me this block like it's it's a big block of rosewood and i probably could get 10 knives out of it. he said the only bummer is he can't legally you can't sell a knife with this wood as a handle and he also said he says but also when you're working with this make sure every part of your skin is covered he says because i get a huge a crazy rash when i when i use it so that'd be another one yeah you wouldn't want to use for your cooking gear or cutting boards have you ever made an end grain cutting board? Yes, it didn't work out well over time. Mm. Oh, okay. What was it? And I the, knew the it might type? not when I made it, but we're about three or four months out from moving here, or moving my shop here, and I had a bunch of the cutoffs just waiting for this, so I went ahead and made it. And I knew that mixing this wood or that wood might not work, mm. but I just wanted to see. Yep. So was it just like the way the wood kind of expanded, contracted, like two different yes, from each other? Completely yeah. different woods uh, in that regard. Mm-hmm. They were too far apart on the spectrum. Uh, gotcha. Now you can get around that if you stabilize the pieces and then do the board. But, mm. you know. That's a lot of work. Don't have a vacuum chamber. Not really into stabilizing wood. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. You know, it's uh, you know, I have like a cutting I, board that was made by some schmuck in his uh, stable, <laughs> you know, almost 250 years ago. It's still a cutting board, and he hmm. didn't stabilize wood. So 
I think a lot yeah. of it is just pick the wood. Yeah. And move on Where did you life. get that cutting board from? You have a 250 year old cutting board? Yeah, it was. We know that because it was uh, signed by a guy who made uh, kitchen woodworking stuff back mm -hmm. in up in uh, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. Uh, That's cool area, and he was like the woodworking uh, Paul Revere. You know what Paul Revere was to uh, Revere Ware Silver. Mm. and uh, got it at a, a state sale from a collector of his work. And it was out of their kitchen. They used it. so That's cool, man. Yeah. And everything at the sale was uh, either, you know, certified and guaranteed or not, 100%. Mm. Okay. This is or this is not. Yeah, it's good when the the primary expert on a subject matter dies. <laughs> hmm. And then you get their collection. That's crazy. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look like anything. Mm -hmm. But it's a uh, white oak cutting board. Hmm. You take care of it. Lasts forever. That's cool. That's really neat to have that. And yeah, some people of, use Teflon. <laughs> yeah, one of my cool... Oh, uh, a lot of maple I was using making my uh, kitchen stuff. Oh, yeah. Because one, I like the looks of maple. Curly maple, hard oh, yeah, maple. That's nice stuff. And I was lucky enough to find... I was at a exotic wood store up by Annapolis, Maryland, and just on the right time or the right day, they had a bunch of cutoffs when they were making the wood to sell, right? Mm -hmm. They were cutting off the split ends. And the, some of these split ends were, you know, four quarter by 14 inches wide, you know, like foot 14 inches long. And you're like, hey, you want these? Yeah, how much? No, do you want them? Oh, wow. Get them out of my sight. So, you know, I have made a lot of uh, small wood turnings, uh, kitchen stuff with it, you know, gifts. Yep. That's cool. Right on. Yeah, uh, woodworking's fun. I enjoy it. it. It's That's one thing that knife making totally changed my whole opinion on. I used to be pretty much anti-woodworking. Like, if... if Steph had any projects that had to do with wood. Like I would do baseboards and trim on windows, but that was it. Cause that's easy. You know, it doesn't take much, but, um, then it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to make knives, you're going to end up eventually having to use wood or most likely start using wood. Cause it's easier to access. And then you start seeing other knives. It's like, Oh, okay. Why, whoa, that wood is actually very nice. Like the highlight of the piece is that handle material. And then you start getting into it. And then I was like, okay, now I kind of like wood. And then it's even gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I'll do a little something project. I'll do this. And then it's a little bigger and bigger. And now I'm like, man, I enjoy working. Like if I had a big piece of furniture to build, I would be thrilled about that. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know? But, oh, he's yeah. Good 
did a lot What's of, of did some tile work, didn't you? And then you went, oh, woodworking's not so bad. <laughs> that's right. That's what it was. You know, it's funny. I still have all my tile saws. <clears throat> and you see, we've got a, a future planned big renovation at this house. Um, I was up last week up in the rafters looking to see if it's possible to do what we want because we've got a vaulted ceiling in our kitchen living room area and basically on the other side of that there's like our laundry room which is a huge laundry room and then there's a hallway and then a bathroom and then the garage and then the garage ceiling obviously goes flat and so I was looking at the joists to see if it's possible to extend the vaulted ceiling portion and it, I don't know if it is it might be because the roof line is obviously the same on the outside of the house but I'm looking at it because if we could then we would just have the uh the kitchen go into we'd just move our laundry room into the bathroom that's in the hallway and it would be a, it'd be sweet like it'd just be phenomenal but it's the if the roof was the same it would just be a matter of knocking out a wall but because it's not now we literally would have to put up new rafters and so that's i don't know man that's that might be more than i want to do but we're thinking when we get to this renovation i'll, I'll probably do all the tiles again so i'm I've saved all my tile saws and they sit up up in the mezzanine and it kind of drives me nuts because it's like, <clears throat> I hate stuff sitting around. I don't like having tools that I, I don't know if I'm going to use or not. And I'm like, you know what? I should just get rid of them. But then I'm also like, eh, I don't know. I know if I ever have a, like a small bathroom to tile, I'll buy all of them again. And I have every single type. Like one tile saw is not enough for me. You know, I need to have <laughs> the kind where it's the, the work surface that's on rails. I need the kind where it's the actual blade that's on the rails. I need the the kind that's like a little table saw where you push the... Oh, I've got all the saws, you know? But part of that was just the tiles that we'd chosen for our last house. Well, I did a lot of work. need a Milwaukee cordless tile saw. Yeah, well, they don't make that yet, Todd. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the waiting list, the email list. <laughs> oh, I was at Home Depot yesterday. I had to buy a couple of things. Just... Uh, about a, a pack out crate. I kind of thought they were dumb, but then I see how many different ways you can use them and click them. I'm like, that's actually a good idea. Because there's so many pro a, a pack out crate set and used, but it was at an auction uh, down in Chattanooga and online. I was looking at it and it was 220 bucks, and there was one, two, three, four, six of them that oh, were stacked. So the bottom one had the wheels and the handle, and it had five more varying sizes, and it was all full of stuff. I'm like, man, that's a steal. That is a steal. Like the last minute, that thing went probably 50% over retail. Oh, for just wow. The, because it had stuff <laughs> in it, right? You yeah. can't really price out the stuff in it. You don't know everything that's in it. Yeah. So I was just going by, what are the pack outs worth? Mm-hmm. I'm like that's, but that's like par for the course around here for auctions. Um, no, really. Many of the auctions, especially uh, tools and different collectibles, they go for retail. Um, mm. We actually know an artist that sells on an auction, uh, and if you go to her and say, "Hey, I saw this painting," you did. We have one of a little tiny little snowman and we're like I loved I saw this thing and it just spoke to me 
And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll do another one for you. $100 plus shipping. Cool. At the auctions, the Her Snowman, which all of the paintings are almost exactly the same, go for three, four hundred bucks. Oh, wow. Like, why? You go to her, they're a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that fever, right? Her, that bidding fever people get into. Yeah. We uh, we had her do uh, photos of Benny and then our two previous dogs. And, uh, and she sent her photos and she does a painting of the photo mm-hmm. again, you know, hundred bucks for that size. And then we wanted a little bit larger one for the two dead dogs. And she's like, Oh, you know, how about 120? Yes. Oh, wow. And they look phenomenal. Hmm. That's cool. Cause I thought, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe if you go to the artist, I don't know. And then I was like, what's it going to hurt? I'm just going to go ask. And uh, she talked back and forth. Um, found out her mom had been sick for a while. We, you know, periodically ask her how her mom's doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know. Weird. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, people get into that uh, at an auction, you know, they just, the, you can have a deal, but then it's also like it's a competition, right? It's like, no, no, I I want to win this, and then especially if like an in person auction, and if you see who it is, it's like, oh, oh no, 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 I'm not losing to that guy. Nope, this is mine. And then it's it's like all rational thinking and logic goes out the window, and it's just pure emotions. And it's like, <laughs> I paid way too much for something that, yeah, that's crazy. I, Do you uh, have a? I very have you used often, a pack pack out crate. I can. One of the auctions that we do, the one where the auditor sells her stuff at, I can almost tell what certain things are going to sell for above and beyond. And I just bid somebody up just to, because they're, yeah. I know they're going to pay it. And, yeah. it. and especially if it's something I would want, but I know they're going to pay more than it's worth and I'm not going to be able to get it. Well, dude, you're <laughs> paying for it. That's rude, Todd. <laughs> Ruin their day. <laughs> it's kind of a lesson in economics. Yeah. Kind That's of. funny. It's kind of an asshole uh, yeah. move too. It is, yeah. <laughs> do you have a have you do you have any pack out crates? I have the other brand. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never like I was kind of yeah I don't know like I'm starting to really try and apply my pack outs. Like I've had a couple pack out like the two drawer thing and then the cupboard that opens up, and I got them for Christmas last year. I think it was Christmas and they kind of sat empty and I'm like, you know what? This is kind of dumb. And so I'm trying to figure out which tools. And I realize I have tools on the workbench, whereas like my motorcycle area, like my reciprocating saw, um, I've got that little oscillating tool, but, but I have a couple other like Milwaukee tools that were living under that workbench. I'm like, let's bring those into the pack out. And then, you know, often when I'm doing something at the house, like I've got my main tool bag, that I pretty much do most things I need to do out of. But then if it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I need a circular saw or like a sawzall, then it's like, okay, well, I'll just carry that. But I'm like, if you had a tote for just some of those things, it's like, let me throw this in there, throw this in there and put this in there. So I've, I've never had a tote before. So I picked one up yesterday. And I, I also didn't know that they click into the bottom and then you can also click into the top. Cause I have yeah. uh, 
like I have a whole pack out organizer that's just different types of wall anchors, you know, because it's like, oh, I need to hang a picture here. We need to mount this TV here, you name it. So I've got a, a large one and I can take that to the house. It doesn't matter what I need to put on the wall. I've got the, the hardware for it in there. And I love having that. That's like the best, the first use of pack out I actually did. And it is just, just for home stuff. It's fantastic. And so I can click that on top of the, the crate. Now I have a lid for the crate. And so, man, they're pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like, like having I one like that that's uh, plumbing, one that's electrical, one that's uh, like automotive or equipment electrical. And I'm going to mm-hmm. have to get one that's hydraulic, you know, um, one yeah. for batteries, you know, different things. Because I hate walking back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we're so spread out <clears throat> here with like from the basement to the workshop is uh, not not an easy walk, you know, when you're a man of a certain age mm-hmm. with certain conditioned knees. Yeah, yeah. And you, I used to think that they were just outrageously priced. And they're not, they're not cheap. But I tell you wh- the secret, and I don't want to, I, I hesitate saying it, on our podcast with our millions of listeners. Um, I'll just ruin the market. But these, uh, (laughs) bleep you out. (laughs) Giant contractor, like end of jobs auctions, like job site auctions. Yeah. You can pick up pack outs of any brand by the dozen. Really? For I've never seen these things you talk of. Oh yeah. Like there's a, a company that does, Nationwide, uh, there's more than one, but there's one in particular. Who's the largest that does, like, for contractors, companies that are going to build an airport, you know, Mm -hmm. big, uh, a whole shopping center, an industrial complex. And then at the end of that job, they're not going to take every little piece with them. No, they're selling their, their mobile offices and everything out, right? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. eventually you'll have subs that run off with your money and their stuff is still on your job site. So you keep it mm-hmm. kind of a, uh, a mechanics lean kind of thing. And then you auction it off at the end of the job. Yeah. And I've gotten uh, 11, I think one set of 11, uh, I swear they could not have been used. What are they, pack out organizers? Well, not pack the the Walt brand, but yeah. Wow. Because they weren't in the box, but they still had this stupid, like, uh, you know the tape that has the fiberglass thread through it? Yeah, yeah, yep. Where, like, the lid is taped down during shipping. Still had mm-hmm. that on it. Oh, wow. And then crazy. two had been used just to open and put uh, hardware in. Hmm. And it was all uh, grade eight uh, socket head bolts metric from uh, M8 and a half up. Hmm. So I think I paid for the whole set what the hardware might have been worth, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, like 
have you, I've seen guys that set up their, like there's a couple, some people use pack out just for organizing and well, not, it's not like it's either or, but, or you can use them as toolboxes. And yeah, I always thought it'd be both. cool to have them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool. And I'm like, but it's so expensive. But then I was looking at uh, what a decent toolbox costs, like a roll cab, even from Home Depot. And I'm like, actually, you could configure a fairly equal amount of storage space, even drawers and stuff. The only bummer is you just don't get the big long drawers. But you could get the same volume of storage with a pack out for very comparable or even less money than certain like Home Depot sold roll cabs you know and so when you look at it like that i'm like it's actually not that expensive because it's robust you know and you see the different ways do you ever do the uh milwaukee pack out hashtag on instagram not i because i follow some things with dewalt i see that anyway you know because yeah yeah but yeah man you go down that rabbit hole and you see these guys and now these guys have full-time businesses just uh, making accessories for the pack-out system. And I don't know. It, it's one of these things where... Oh, yeah, I there's kinda... a... I don't know who they are, but I saw somebody with their stuff. Uh, it was a... They make a, like, injected molded or blow-molded inserts for every Milwaukee cordless tool. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you have a... Uh oh, uh, I don't know what's a Milwaukee tool that gets used, but not very often. Caulking gun. Um, <laughs> you have one of those. You don't want it to get dusty during the three year stretch. You don't even touch it. <laughs> so, you know, you can put it in a pack out now. Well, then, now I need more pack outs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea, but what do you do with the when the pack out itself gets dusty? See, that's kind of a heartbreak too. <laughs> I don't know. They need that's to just open funny. a Etsy store that sells uh, red uh, microfiber pack-out dust cloths. Oh, that's a good idea. With the Milwaukee yeah. emblem. I need that. need that in my life. Oh, <clears> I saw <throat> some, I'm going to say, uh, clown donkey. Yesterday, when I was out and about, had a doctor's appointment and went and got a haircut. The, uh, he, he had a Milwaukee branded handkerchief oh wow <laughs> he was wearing uh mic uh one of those uh lightweight uh milwaukee windbreakers yeah he had on uh milwaukee uh hiking boots no kidding he had on the not ariat brand but one of those like that with the embroidered back pockets yeah 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 and then uh i swear he went i'm like i just staring at the guy like he's a an alien because that's you know he looks like a clown donkey already and i he gets up leaves and he walks out the parking lot and i'm like oh i got to see what he's driving oh god he goes and gets in a bmw m3 i'm like how could it not have been any better jesus yeah that's crazy. You have this um, person I would normally call a douche, and then he goes and gets in the douche mobile. Mm-hmm. Now, is every M3 bad? Yes. <laughs> is every BMW bad? No. 
But leave it to BMW to 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 um, play the largest practical joke on the automotive in- industry that's ever been played. <clears throat> they get a f- worldwide cult following. Then they design, they engineer one of the most attractive cars ever built, the 6 Series. And then they make it the most, least reliable hunk of crap BMW ever built. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a huge Beamer fan. I I, oh, I'm not either. Don't get me wrong. Uh, if you can't tell, I don't like them. But, you know, I don't dislike them all, you know, like hate. But um, they're not what everybody thinks they are. Mm-mm. Not without constant maintenance and money. And I find the people that drive them, they seem pretentious. Like, peop- like Oh, they're horrible. Yeah, like Mercedes are nice, like they're a luxury car. Some people have, but a lot of times people are like, I just like the car. And they Everybody don't get out. Everybody buys a Hellcat. And they, they don't get out with their head high. And But people that drive Beamers, they always seem, it's just like as soon as they get up, when they stand up, their head tilts back and they look at you straight down their nose. And it just seems to be like people are, that drive Beamers are pretentious. That's my experience, but... <clears throat> Yeah, I've been looking at vehicles. I I don't know. I do this all the time. I don't know why, but it's uh it's crazy how much um certain cars lose. Like I'm, you can get like twenty fifteen Porsches for like thirty grand, and I'm like, oh. But then a like a twenty fifteen Civic is like fifteen grand. I'm like, some some luxury cars or, or sports cars. We'll call them sports cars, not luxury cars. Man, they just drop so much, the value. And then you get like a practical thing, like a nice, you know, a Honda Civic. And they they don't depreciate as fast as sports cars. That's one thing I'm realizing, at least right now in this market around here. Because you get into the, like the 2015, the 2020. And man, these little Porsches, and I know they're not the top of the line Porsches, but you think, okay, I'm buying a Porsche. Wow, okay, that's something. Way, just saying that is more impressive than a Honda Civic. But when they're like five to 10 years old, it's incredible how much more value percentage-wise the Porsche has lost than the Civic. It's just, it's crazy. And I'm looking and at these Porsches. a lot of it is that one, there's more of a market for the Hondas. So the ability it's to more price practical. them is there. The uh, market for a Porsche isn't there. So the pricing availability for Anything between just under brand new to just over classic, right? Mm-hmm. Because the cost of ownership is so much greater in that yeah. Porsche. Yeah. Um, now, if I was going to go get a Porsche today, somebody said, I will pay for it. If you, um, I'll pay for it and maintain it. If you go out and just be seen driving a Porsche, Todd, what do you want? I'd honestly go get a Panamera. I don't know what that one is. It's the, the Porsche? teardrop shape looking four door Porsche. Is it a newer or a classic? It's newer. Yeah. Like in the last 10 years. Panamera. <clears throat> oh, yeah. When, that's a uh, bad looking car. When Porsche and Ferrari and Lambo got into the. Uh, 
Oh, the stupid sedans. <sighs> SUVs. Touring car market. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, true. You have a four door that four grown people can fit in. Mm-hmm. And tour uh, Europe with your pinky out. That is a nice car. That would be fun, hey? And I have sat in one, but I wasn't able to drive it. Uh, and I've seen them all over, especially when I worked in D.C. And, oh, my Lord, they're just uh, – and they're every bit, pound for pound, as powerful as a 911R. Hmm. But you're not going to pay as much. You're not going to pay as much insurance. You know. Are they all-wheel drive? I don't know if they all are, but yes. Hmm. Yeah, that's a cool-looking car. <clears throat> yeah, I know. It's funny because, like, um, so Kobe, like, I think I mentioned here that his, his truck died and his engine died in his truck. And... Yeah. So he's back to driving the Civic because I had the Civic for a while. And I know it's like a ridiculous because it's like a 2001 Honda Civic. Like it's nothing to get excited about. But I like if, if I just have to, oh, shoot, I need to go pick up this thing, whatever. I like to drive my little car, little five speed. And man, it just it feels so efficient. It is right. It's just like oh, the, the gauge when I go to the Calgary and back, the fuel gauge doesn't move. And. So he's driving that again. And so I'm in my truck and my truck is thirsty. I love my truck. It's fast. It's powerful. But man, it likes the gasoline. And if it's like, oh yeah, I just got to go pick up a couple extra screws for like this one custom sign we're doing. It just seems wrong to drive a big three quarter ton heavy duty four by four pickup. But, and so I'm kind of looking at it and like, okay, maybe I should get something else. But the reality is, I mean, we've also got our minivan. And our Buick. I don't like to drive the Buick because I, I don't want to mile it out. And that's like my go to church car. You know, I like that when I'm doing something nice. But um, so looking at something like a Civic and then really like Stephen and I in the hot tub the other day and we're like, you know, I actually don't need a vehicle. Like I don't need to buy another car. Like like we literally have four running vehicles here. Kobe's taken one. We've got three. But I'm looking. I don't know. I, those little Japanese mini trucks. But the, I don't know, man. I want one so bad, but then I'm I'm afraid that as soon as I buy it, I'll be like, you know what? The way I thought owning this was going to be like is not like that. Like, I'm worried that it will be too much of a little toy or feel too, too janky for me to actually enjoy it. I don't know. I should actually, I know some guys that have them. I should actually just ask them to take me for a little rip in them. But like, I can get one for like 9,000 bucks with a six-speed transmission because they most of them come in a four or a five speed manual. This one's got the six, so it's better for the highway, and it has a hydraulic tilt box. And it's like nine thousand bucks, and it's actually in pretty nice shape. I think it's got like sixty-seven thousand kilometers on it. I'm like, that would be a pretty, that would be a practical little vehicle. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like we I used them in the Air Force out on the flight line, and you know, for things like that, when you're running all day here, there. Like if you had an industrial complex and you were a maintenance guy mm-hmm. or a millwright, you know, something like that. Or if you had a farm that you were going here and there and not too much off-road, yeah, mm-hmm. they'd be the bee's knees. But the minute you start having to go through mud or anything like that, some of them 
aren't the best thing in the world for that. Yeah, yeah. And a, a hydraulic tilt box, man, that would be like sweet. Not that, you know, the one time I would use it is when I have to spread out all my wood sawdust in the garden every spring. <laughs> there we go. I got to buy one now, Todd. <laughs> it's for now the garden. The, uh, auction that I was following with the pack outs, they just had two mini trucks uh, fresh off the boat, but they were both Chinese. And I'm like, nope. Mm. Have those mini trucks become valuable in the States compared to like 10 years ago? Depends on where you're at and what they are. It seems like the Japanese and the Korean ones are just out of this world expensive, comparatively speaking. So the mm -hmm. Chinese crap is getting more popular, but... I've never seen Chinese ones here yet that I know of. See, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you could bring one of those over for two to 3000 bucks. get it landed in Vancouver. And you could buy them here, like people that would do that, they'd, they'd bring like five of them to Calgary. They would sell them for about $5,000. And now this one for nine grand is the cheapest one. Some people are selling for like $15,000 for like a 98. And I know none of them have high mileage. They're not like a highway cruising vehicle, but low mileage in Japan could be like driving all day, every day, you know, in the same city block. But um, I just can't believe it. I think they've, in the last 10 years, they've at least tripled what people sell them for. Because they used to be, I remember when we were, we were first married, I saw one guy had one and Steph's uncle brought a couple in to sell them and he ended up getting them to Calgary for $2,000. Now those weren't, in, you still have to get the out of province inspection and stuff like that. But to get something brought from Japan for two grand that runs, I'm like, that's pretty cool. But I wasn't interested back then. But now it's just like, like they are so expensive. But... I'm actually going to call. There's one just outside of Strathmore. Guy parked it on the edge of the highway, and he's got a phone number there. So I'm going to just give him a phone. I, I like that. I haven't seen it on the online stuff locally. I've been looking for it, but I, uh, I'm going to give him a call, see what he wants for it. It's too much fun. I love, you know, my favorite thing is looking at vehicles. Like, I'm not last night. The night before, I probably spent three hours straight looking at online classifieds at vehicles. So fun. Yeah, I, I like, love it. Uh, I've been looking at um, cars like the last two years and more, more so than I was before that. I've always loved cars, but just trying to, the market's been kind of interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been really following certain d weird types of cars or trucks or whatever. And then uh, I've been watching Rolexes lately. Oh, really? You want one? And but no, my wife is like, oh, do you want a Rolex now? I didn't think you wanted one. Do I have one? Well, no. Then I don't want one. You know, I want it when I go buy one. Mm -hmm. um, I said, and I have gone to Rolex. I have uh, online, and I built my dream Rolex just to see how much it would cost. I have there's two of them in two different materials. It's exactly the same watch, just different material. Mm -hmm. And one's like. $60,000 and one's $8,000. So I'm like, oh, wow. so now I know how much they would be. I know what they would look like. Uh, no, I don't want one. That's funny. That's crazy. Now, if 60, I found thousand. So what makes it that because price? Because it's platinum. Oh, okay. And you know, you're going to solid platinum watch. I mean, come on. 
<laughs> Why not shoot make, for the moon, you know? Yeah, you're making rap videos at that point. Well, you know. <laughs> That's crazy. But um, funny you should mention that about making a rap video. Are you going to make rap videos on YouTube now, Todd? No. Oh, okay. But I am actually thinking of making a rap voiceover as a parody for something. For what? Uh, there's a, I don't know. Um, there, it's it's like in in the humor world of uh, Instagram, Facebook, Reel, and TikTok. Although mm-hmm. I don't know anything about TikTok, but you see TikTok videos replayed on Instagram a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, and people are taking um, other. Uh, there's a lot of Eminem ones on there where it's a video of Eminem rapping, but somebody does a voiceover parody mm-hmm. <laughs> of it. And some of them are kind of stupid. One or two are really funny. And I'm like, my wife is like, you're always doing this like to TV. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you just, you know, you should do, do it, it and make, you know, <clears throat> fame or money. And I'm like, eh. Yeah, there are certain things I don't want to be known for. I know I'm good at it, but in this day and age, you know, my humor would get me canceled in half a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the in the wrong area, right? Yeah. Wrong person got wind of it. Yeah. She's like, there's no way. All of the, and this is the example she uses, and it's absolutely true. She said, all of the incredibly popular making fun of midget videos that are out there right now mm-hmm. and have been out there and will probably remain out there. How, how can you possibly get canceled for anything if you're not getting yeah. canceled for this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's weird, you know? Yeah. I can't believe some of the stuff. And for yeah. some of the famous YouTuber that make fun of, that make the shorts, the midget shorts. I'm like, how are they getting away with this? Good Lord. Mm-hmm. The guy got canceled just about for making fun of somebody who broke into his house and then committed identity theft. On He's the victim. And he almost mm-hmm. got canceled. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, so and now stupid, he's like- just making midget vid after midget vid. And he's popular. Oh, my God. Yeah. Every day I get a new flag on Instagram that my content violates their terms of service. You know, this, I don't know. It's getting just to the point where it's annoying. It's like, and and now like the, I just checked this morning. I have one for, uh, oh, so the, the thumbnail of my video where I was using that carbide tipped hammer. I put that thumbnail of that YouTube video on Instagram Say, hey, new video on YouTube, carbide tip straightening hammer, blah, 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 blah. And it got flagged for sexual content or nudity. And I'm like, and most of the time when you go to it, you can either, there's an option to edit or remove the con- the post or appeal the decision. The appeal the decision, the, the little button isn't lit up, so I can't press it. And so basically right now they're trying to say you have to take this down or edit it or else we will not share your 
your Instagram profile with non-followers. I'm like, this is getting stupid. Every day there's a new one and I appeal it and I win the appeal because I don't have any content that violates their terms of conditions. It's just some stupid algorithm that they've unleashed on. I don't know if it's just knife makers or, I mean, that's the only really group I've heard complaining no, about it. Uh, but And somebody, I don't know if they're making an attempt, but they should. There's a uh, knife maker out there of color who hasn't mm-hmm. gotten a single strike. And he's actually had a couple um, videos or pictures or whatever on Instagram that uh, probably do violate, but they're not doing anything to him. And he's, mm. I've, I heard, I don't know this for like firsthand knowledge. I heard this, that he was talking to a, other knife makers um, and he like, They're, they're not going to do anything to me because I'm black. Hmm. And, you know, he's done some things on purpose just to show, look, they're not doing anything to me. Hmm. But, you know, uh, middle-aged white guy over here with a beard that lives in Texas um, puts a knife outside the sheath, um, but they're both in the same frame, so it's nudity. Yeah. What? Yeah. Or me, like literally tapping on a piece of steel and what is a knife on an anvil. And it's like, oh my goodness. I just checked yeah. it again and now they gave me the chance to appeal it. So I just appealed it. But every day I see some stupid thing and it's a, it's a, a good glamour shot of a knife. Like uh, said, a, you know, really nice photo of a knife. Oh yeah, this violates our terms. And it's like, you guys are dumb. You guys, it's to the point like Instagram for me, has been long to the point where I question whether it's worth the effort. Like I haven't, I don't know when the last time I posted, but it, I, people think, oh, I got to get famous on Instagram. It's good. I, it doesn't make that big of a difference. I'm convinced. Like, first of all, they don't pay you. They don't, they don't pay you for your content. And so it's like people that put hours a day into posting on Instagram you know, if you get a big audience that might help sell your wares, might help, you know, your knives could move a little quicker. And that, I guess, could be the value in it. But I don't know, man. And then the thing is, and then all of a sudden they get all pissed off because it's like, what are they doing? They're not recommending me to do things. It's like, what's their platform? Like, you are the product. You know, if you're not paying for something, then you're the product. <clears throat> and they use the content that you put out there to keep people's eyeballs on this so that they can sell ads so that they make all the money. You, you know, share every post, there's three ads. Are you yeah. as a creator getting any of that ad money? No, you're not. Zero. So you are you're, you're working for free for Instagram. They're making money off of you. Unfair share that YouTube <clears> says <throat> they're giving you 60%, 50. but they can't prove it. Yeah. And refuse to prove it. But anyway, yeah, no, I know. Um, and it's like, you look at Instagram, it's like, man, that's a, that's a pretty a, slick business model that they have. And I have a relative that does a lot of their business advertising on uh, Instagram and they call it free advertising. I'm like, you have no concept of economics. They're like, what do you mean? Um, what is your time worth as a business owner? Because you're also, you not only own the business, you make the products you're selling. So your time 
spent on Instagram is taking away from making the product you're selling that you actually make money on. And they're not giving you anything. They're not giving you any share of the revenue for the ads they sell on your post. So is it really free? Yeah. No, it's not. It's costing you money. Take economics, people. Yeah. I I don't mind Instagram. Like, I'll check it out. You know, usually once a day, I'll just see who's making what. And uh, I kind of like it if it's like, you know what, I just want to break. After lunch, sometimes I'll sit down and be like, I just need a little mind distraction. And I don't want to, like, commit to watching a YouTube video. I'll open up Instagram and kind of see who's making what. And I'm kind of like, ah, this is neat. But if Instagram went away, I wouldn't be like, ah, man, that sucks. I'd be like, well, cool. Well, what's next? You know, I don't love it. That's for sure. And you know what's insane is that for the last two years, if I look at my growth on Instagram, like it's exactly like 0%. 0%. I've had, I don't know what I have, like 20,000. Let me check here. I don't know how many followers I have. Okay, so it says, get back here, you dumb dumb. 20.6 thousand kilometers. I've had that for like the last three or four years straight. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's it's this weird thing that I don't know if, if half of them are bots. And then, I don't know. It, it's to the point when, and I've tried being like, okay, I'm going to start posting some good stuff. And I'll be like, let me do a couple reels here. Let, and maybe it's something where you literally have to do what everybody else is doing. And like spend two hours a day creating content for Instagram to grow. But if that's what it takes... You know what? For two hours a day, I've got, I can make more money doing something else than trying to get big on Instagram. You know, I just, no, I mean, I you're think, not going to get money unless you get sponsors. Instagram yeah, is not going to give you a thing. Yeah. And it's not, it, it would, it takes so long to increase. I'm thinking of, say, if you're not doing sponsorships or anything, but you're just a maker who makes knives, you're not looking for sponsorships, you just want a bigger audience. These, it takes so long to make a difference in how quickly you move your knives. You know, like you're way better off, in my opinion, to get uh, funnel people to newsletters on the website. You know, like I have, I think I have over 700 people signed up for my newsletters. And then there's also an option where I can include people who have purchased something in the past. And I, I don't have that option clicked. That if I did, it was, it's over 1,200 people. Um, cause I'm kind of like, you know what, if you didn't sign in for my newsletter, I'm not going to email you. Cause that drives me nuts when companies do that to me, but yeah, that's I've like 700 years and I've never gotten one. Really? Yeah. It's probably in your spam. I don't send them often. I only probably send three or four. Like if I've got five or six knives available, then I'll do a newsletter and I'll do that before I announce it on the socials. No, but I'm that's weird. I've never gotten, gotten really. Never. That's weird. I can check if your email's on there. Cause I have okay. like everybody's list yeah but you know like then it doesn't matter if like instagram you know work on that stuff in conjunction with your social media but you ultimately need to have a little more control whereas if instagram says okay any knife stuff is banned well at least i still have 700 people that have said i want to know when you have a knife for sale right and that was because i don't know I, I i don't push my newsletters probably as much as i should but I don't know, these people that put all this work into it and they think it's, like I know people that's, that do like two to 10 posts per day 
and they've got like a thousand followers. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like you're wasting three hours of your life every single day. Go do something with it. Because I don't know what the, the, the going rate for decent money there is, but unless you're making that per day on this Instagram thing, it's not worth it. You know, it's just, it's the same thing with, with YouTube. It's not worth it. I, I only do it because I really like making videos. But it's like, or you're going to be the very rare, rare person who's like, you know, I got 5, 10 million subscribers and now I'm making a very comfortable living being an influencer, you know? I don't know. It's funny because I wonder if a lot of people... Is it weird calling yourself an influencer? I don't call myself an influencer. I mean, we just but do there it, are. But... No, I don't make a living on it, though. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'm not an influencer. You, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. When people go, I'm an influencer. It's a funny term. Who yeah. do you influence? And I, th- I, I, think I actually that... hate the... There, it's this part of a trend to misuse or redefine words that we've mm-hmm. been on for years with this uh, Gen Z crap. Yeah, I think influencer comes into market because it's it's undertoned the way they use it is is basically as a marketing tool, right? Because like if you you can be famous. But when you're an influencer, that's when it's like, oh, look at this Casper mattress. I love it. It unpacks and blah, blah, blah. And and when I think of influencers, that's what I think of. Or like the moms who are like, hey, look, at, let's make this. I got this new cookware or whatever. And I think it's when you start getting paid to flog products. That's when I think of somebody as an influencer. You know, like if you, even a YouTuber that does sponsored videos I don't know. I I think more influencers, more like the uh, the super short form content, like Instagram, uh, that stuff. I don't think of a, a YouTube channel as an influencer in the same way I do as like an influencer on Instagram. Do you have any differentiation? Hey, Todd. Are you there? Hello. Hey, lost you there for a minute. Yeah, crap. But no, I was saying that, yes, I have a perfect example. I think that Michael Jordan was an influencer for Nike. Yes, that's true. Because he definitely influenced kids to buy his shoes. Yes. Influenced me to want them. I was just never allowed. Hey, Todd. Hello. Sorry. Hello. I lost, I lost oh. you again. Ah. Oh, great. Hello. Hello. Hey, Todd. There you are. You're back. Don't know what's going on. This is crazy. Oh, yeah. It's at, you're breaking up like crazy now. Uh, all right. That's weird, man. We haven't had this problem for like a good several episodes, have we? No, we haven't had this in a while. Not this problem. Yeah. 
I wonder if all the satellites that Elon Musk has are crashing right now or something. So I don't have... I don't have... got pretty fast connection right now. We're bashing meta, so... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I don't believe in that conspiracy theory. I don't. What one? But it's so funny because it's coincidental. Um, We start bashing Squadcast or the YouTube or Meta, and then we start having internet problems. It's funny. Yeah, every time. It's like we're, whether the company has anything to do with it or not, their um, AI gets mad at us. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, no. Yeah, it's weird that whole thing about influencers, you know, like. You see, see, like, say, look at someone like Alex Steele. All of a sudden he's got a, a sponsored video for whatever. Maybe it's like a pre made meal plan. Um, the, the thing with that is it's kind of like, okay, I know for a fact that these people are paying you to make a video and that helps you make a living. That's fine. And I've got this little fast forward button. I can click it. You, you know, there's a certain, usually ads are about a minute long. And if I hit the arrow, it goes 10 seconds or whatever. So I know how many times to hit it. Boom. I don't look at the ad. Good. Now I'm back to the video. To me, that's just a sponsored video. But I don't know. I don't know. It's It's weird. It's a weird thing. I, 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 um, not a big fan, but I understand it. And if I was on YouTube or whatever, and a company approached me with, you know, dollar dollar bill, y'all, and wanted me to flog something, I'd probably do it, you know, because mm-hmm. you, it's a job, mm-hmm. right? As long as you're not, um, Hawking a product that's going to hurt somebody. Um, They're probably um, Chineseium stuff I would just refuse on principle because I'm not that poor. Um, But still. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the stuff, you know, like um, Simply Safe, simply because of two things, I would never get Simply Safe if it was the last security firm on earth. Hmm. Uh, one, they sold people's information and access to the, uh, the cameras and audio uh, without your really? permission and the way a lot of YouTubers did it. Hmm. So, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, like, I know one YouTuber, and I only know this because of... I know a guy who knows a guy right mm-hmm. now um, through an organization I joined about a year ago. Uh, they put the equipment in for this YouTuber for Simply Safe. And it's all fake equipment, all just shells of the stuff. Because hmm. this YouTuber didn't want any of their stuff in their house. Or in your really? business. Right? That's crazy. Because they didn't really trust it. Yeah. Like, wait, no, no, no. This is just a shell of our stuff. It makes it look like you're using it. And we pay you this much money. And they're like, oh, okay. When are you going to show up? That's crazy. 
Now, that's, that's not to say I know of anybody else that was, you know, did it that way. I was just told by the guy who installed it that it was all, you know, just props. Mm-hmm. But every, everybody you see in a commercial is a paid actor who's lying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, really? You see yeah, a commercial no, on true. TV? Uh, no. They're lying. And you know what? Like what you said last week on the podcast, or maybe the week before, about how if I'm doing a sponsored video and I click that little check that says my video contains product placement, sponsorship, endorsement, whatever, um, that YouTube won't recommend the video as much. And that makes sense to me. And then I found, I found a couple of YouTube channels that they will fully have a product placement, but they, it doesn't have the little thing in the beginning of the video that said, this contains advertising or whatever. This is a sponsored video. And they just don't click it. And I'm like, maybe I'm going to try that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think I might have. And the thing is, is that my deal with, Princess Auto, they want to renew again. They sent sent me the thing, and so it's good. I gotta send that today, probably. But all I have to do is either use something from Princess Auto, where you can tell that it's from Princess Auto, or say the name Princess Auto. And the funny thing is, I've been saying their name for years on my YouTube channel. Like not every video, but I've I've done reviews on products I bought from there before I was sponsored by them. So it's like, so I might actually try it for this year and. It's funny because they're the the sponsored videos I do don't do don't perform well, and not all of them are great. Like I, I admit that fully, but there's some of them that I'm like, this should have done a lot better than this. Like this is substantially lower than my worst in the last two months. So I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try not clicking it, and uh, I'm not gonna say thanks, Princess Auto, for sponsoring this video. I'll just be like, hey, I picked this up at Princess Auto, and I'm gonna see what what goes down. Because as as far as I'm concerned, is that you know YouTube. They they don't care. Like, I don't feel like I'm in an honest business relationship with YouTube, right? Like, I, I don't feel... Not, not, that's not to say that I'm going to be shady, but they force you to contort to all these weird terms of service. And some of them I don't think is right. Like, they, they silence you. And so it's like, you know what? I'm not going to lie, but I'm just not going to do everything you tell me to do because there's... You know, you, you guys silence things if I say anything. Like if I do something, if I, on my other channel, I said, hey, why I became a Freemason? Underneath it, they put this warning, just be careful, there's some information. It's like, why do you have to babysit people? Like, why can't you let adults be adults? So I'm going to try that. Yeah, the YouTube, the best analogy I've ever thought of myself is uh, YouTube is the Roman Empire. The creators mm-hmm. are the gladiators. That you yep. only have the rights and the compensation they're willing to give you. Exactly. Nothing else. Yeah. And people are like, well, I own the video. Do you? Because here's the thing. Somebody steals your content, right? YouTube could actually turn off somebody's ability to download or copy your videos. Yep. But they don't. No, they don't. Yep. They could stop these other YouTubers and TikTokers from stealing your content because they're big enough to go after themselves and TikTok. Yeah. And but, you know, it's funny. I noticed there's new options when I go to upload. 
I, by default, it says allow other people to remix parts of your video for YouTube shorts. And I, that's the default setting. And I never noticed this. I probably should go back for like the last, I don't know how many videos I have or see if I can do a, a channel wide thing. But I just noticed on the last video I uploaded, I have to go there and select, do not allow people to remix this. So now YouTube is saying any part of my video, someone can take it and make a little uh, YouTube short for their purposes. And I think, I don't know if a credit happens to me. I don't know, but literally they're allowing people now to steal my content. And same thing with Instagram. You have to disable sharing or remixing. And, and it's just like, wow, these platforms that host the content don't give a flying turd about the content creator. The people that put in the effort, that, that decided to flick on a camera, say something funny that other people will chuckle at or show how they build something, those people took the time to do that. And then they, maybe they did or they didn't edit, but they uploaded it. And it's like, okay, you know what? You're, you're making the stuff that people are watching. We appreciate you. We value you. How can we make this work? And instead, it's like, nope, you, you're making this stuff people are watching. Now we're going to let other people take it and, and get their own credit for it. Like, it just, I don't get it. It feels like there's a, the platforms seem to hate the creators. That's how it feels, you know? To me anyways. But what do you do? Yeah, you know, put up with it, don't use it, or fight like the dickens to get laws changed. Yeah. And that's the thing, is it if I'm to tell you the truth, it bugs me, but not enough for me to quit. <laughs> I still like it more than I dislike it. So I guess things have to get to a certain point before, you know, you hit the breaking point. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Well, I got to put up some under cabinet trim today so on my agenda. And then I need to get a new tube for my uh, DR. Oh, I, I put my my new gas tank on my DR650 last night. It looks so much better. And then I took off my little rack at the back because I don't do nearly as much um, riding in the wintertime, but I just want my riding in the wintertime to just be out there for fun, right? And if I need hey, to grab a jug a of video? milk. Nope, I did well, not. at least take a photo of it. I did, I did a photo. Show it to me. Yeah, I did a before and an after. Well, I haven't done the after yet because... I lifted it up onto the bike stand. I checked, I did a valve clearance check. It's all good. And then swapped out the fuel tanks, took off the rack in the back. And then I uh, was seeing how quickly my, my tire was losing air. And uh, I think it's losing like, it's pretty much going flat within an hour or two. And then it's funny because I, was, I drove to Chestermere when I changed it. And I thought, man, this thing sounds really weird. Like, the lugs seemed to hit harder on the on the pavement than they used to. And I think that by the time I was on my way back, like I actually pulled over on the side of the road and was checking for loose things on my bike. Like there's a foot pegs loose, is the this, couldn't find anything. And I think is that I had dropped all my air out. And so I was basically riding on flat tires that have huge lugs. So they slap harder, you know, they're not held in a nice rounder state. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Yeah, like, I was like, something's wrong here. 
So I think I, I think I actually did two trips on those tires, not knowing that they were flat. But and then I don't have tubes. I've got I've got two front tubes for that bike, but I have no rear tubes. So I need to go grab one this morning. I think and get out for a rip. I got hippo hands. Well, the big thing I got for Christmas was these things called hippo hands, and uh, it's like have you ever heard of like bar mitts? Yeah, big yeah insulated cover for handlebars. These ones are nice, man. I got the what they call them the Alcon, and uh, with because I've got heated hand grips. A lot of folks say that if you have heated hand grips and these, and it actually has like a neoprene closure that go, goes around your hand, so you were like in there. Most folks in the winter time they will wear their summer riding gloves. They say just wear your summer gloves and you will be toasty as can be. And these things are like they're well made, man. Like so. I uh, I put one on the left side yesterday just to see how it would work. I need to clean the, wash the bike a little bit better, but get all the bugs Not off it bad. before I install these. What's Not that? Not bad price. For the Alcons? Yeah. The hippo hands? Yeah. What? They're like three, four hundred bucks. Oh, that's not for a set. That's just for one. 189 bucks. Oh, um, are you on their website? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe it is. That would be a set then. No, I wouldn't use one on a bicycle. That looks dangerous. Yeah. I've I've had, like, I've, I have bar mitts, like some generic ones, and they make a big difference. And it's amazing. Like, you're, like, it's easy to, relatively, to keep your core warm, right? Like, you get a big winter jacket, and your torso will be warm. Your arms will be warm. Your legs, easy. I find the hardest things to keep warm, and the things that get the coldest the fastest are your extremities. You know your your toes and your fingers, man. Those things, those things drive me nuts. But I was like, if I can keep my fingers warm on the motorbike, I could ride into minus ten for sure. You know, I just need to get some. I could wear my winter boots, I guess. But I'm excited to head out for a rip. I'm hoping to go for a motorbike ride today, because like it's pretty rad. December 29th, riding a motorbike in Alberta. Can't say that every year. No. So. It's supposed to be snowing here. Really? Yeah, Danette said, the, yeah, it looks like the, fl-, she just texted me a little bit ago and said, it looks like the flurries have started, but not out the back window. Oh, not the front, maybe. <laughs> you no, got no, flurries it, on the that happens here. That's crazy. But uh, our heat wasn't working when I got up again. Oh, oh no. Yeah, but she just texted me two minutes ago and said, oh, he's finally working. Because that was going to be on my agenda as soon as I got off this podcast. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because my little piggies is freezing. Oh, dear. Yeah, no, mine mine aren't. Because I'm on the, like, we got the in-floor heating here. So I got my, my feet on the floor and it's all nice and warm. I you love know, that it. That was one of the, I think, the best inventions of the 20th century. And floor and heating. floor heating. Yeah. It is nice. I worked at a place, and it we went from one building to a new building right next door. But the owner of the place said that he's going to not do certain things just so he could move that money to in-floor heating, right? Hmm. And it made such a difference. 
He even extended that to the apron outside the building. So the snow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And now people are getting these, you know, heated driveways. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hooked that up to their, um, uh, what's that thing called? When you have the pipes under the ground outside. Oh, geothermal. Yeah, geothermal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's actually, I never thought about that. That's a good idea. There's a uh, a property outside of Fernie, and it's a really nice, you can barely see it from the highway, but it's like a very uh, nice, fancy, like a luxury cabin. Looks like a, you know, maybe three, four, five million dollar property, and they have heated driveway. And it's a pretty long driveway. It's about the length of ours. Like, it's got to be at least six, seven, eight hundred feet. And the gate at the end of it, and like it'll be pouring, and like there's like six inches of snow on the road, and it's just coming down like crazy. And that thing is just shiny and wet and just steaming. And I'm like, oh, dude, the entire driveway, not joking, it's like six, seven hundred feet is heated. I don't know how it's heated, but I never thought of the geothermal might make sense, but but that's also a lot of driveway to heat. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the long driveways I've seen. They generally are using geothermal. It's a closed loop mm-hmm. in their geothermal system. So all you're paying for is the initial installation and then a tiny pump mm-hmm. to circulate. And then, uh, you know, because in theory, it's 55 degrees being circulated, mm-hmm. um, which would thaw certain things, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like even the like with the regular asphalt, like if it's minus five and sunny out, everything melts here. You know, just the the, the radiation, the heating of the asphalt from the sun. But that'd be cool. Heat a driveway. That's what I need. You'd never have to shovel, man. <laughs> that'd yeah. be amazing. Let her snow, let her rip. That'd be cool. Oh yeah. Yep. So I'm uh Get to use my little Milwaukee pin nailer today to put up this trim. I love that thing, man. I bought a, a Milwaukee two lights yesterday. One is a headlamp, and it's got a couple really cool features. Like this one has like a like a a setting where it just illuminates your entire work area. Man, it is crazy. Like I was playing. I had to wait till it got dark last night to go play with it. But like I can stand at the back of my truck and I can see clearly everything in the box everything in the cab like you could fully do a lot of work you know with this it's just it's amazing how bright it is and then i got another little work light that's uh, they're both rechargeables and then this one has like a magnet and it swivels and pivots and stuff i had my favorite nut light i ever had was a snap-on and i bought it off the truck it was amazing everybody that used it was like this light is insane and a couple years ago, I was doing the putting new bearings in the rear end of my pickup and doing the disc, brand new discs and stuff. And I left it underneath the, uh, the wheel well when I went out for my test drive. And it was all on gravel, did the loop, came back, was cleaning up. And then I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I don't know where it is. And so I went, I got in my truck, and I drove it again. And there it was in pieces. Somebody had driven right over it. Probably your back tire. Yeah, probably. (laughs) 
But that I, that night I paid like three hundred and sixty bucks for it. I think like it was a it was an expensive light, but I could use it almost all day long on one charge. I charge it up at night, and like we'd be running hose, I'd be working on these rigs, and it just made so much of a difference that it was worth every penny. I had it for about a year or two at San Gel. And then uh, five, six, seven, eight years after that, and then I drove over it, and I haven't really uh, haven't replaced it. So not that this Milwaukee's a replacement, but a certain place, like if I'm doing something on my uh, furnace, there's not enough light down in that room. You know, I can't see like into, the, and so this thing's magnetic, and it's kind of wide and broad, so it's going to be super handy for lots of stuff. So I'm stoked about that. Yep, just need to buy more tools. <laughs> fun stuff actually i know what i'm gonna buy next i think i'm gonna buy uh i never i, I was i i had a snap-on version of this but it's dead now but they make an m12 screwdriver so it looks like they're impact drivers but it's not it's just a screwdriver and those are so handy for a lot of jobs you know so i'm gonna buy one of those my next tool purchase maybe it'll happen today we'll see just got to keep adding to the collection. You know what I mean, Todd? Oh, absolutely. You betcha. Well, I should probably get get some of my honeydew list done here for today. But anything else you want to go over? No. I know, that's a good one. Yes, it was. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, look at this. We consistent schedule throughout the holidays. Well, except for the Christmas rush when I couldn't, but. Pretty good. We're, we're bringing the value to the people, you know? Absolutely. Right on. Cool. Well, uh, you have a good week there, Todd, and thanks, thanks for hanging out with me. And thanks for our listeners. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you, uh, Jeremy. Thank you very much, brother. Uh, I enjoy doing these. I enjoy bringing uh, the knowledge and the funny to the audience. Mm -hmm. Except you, Roger. <laughs> Y'all have a good one.